0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz interview series with veteran award-winning pianist and composer Joel Martin. We had a very spirited talk about his life and music, the creation of Jazzical, and his latest 2022 CD, Komitas, a passion of fire that celebrates Armenian music in the 21st century. Over his storied music existence, Joel has traveled throughout the world, performing over 400 chamber concerts. His story and passion is fascinating.
1: Enjoy.
2: How's everything going today? Thanks for taking a minute out for the show.
1: Oh well, thank you. You're very kind to uh to ask. I'm, it's my my honor to be here. Started writing uh, yet an, another setting of a comitas song of uh, about five this morning. Just coming along, you know. I just kind of open up uh the collection of music, and I just look at the music and and I go, Wow, that's a very interesting tune. That sounds nice. What could happen? And then later on, someone who is Armenian actually tells me what the, uh, what the translation of the song is. But uh, I just feel the music, and so the, the music tells me what to do. And so far, it's been going along great.
2: That's beautiful, and, and that's the way it should be. Sounds like something that's, uh, that works out for the listener, too. The music just kind of talks to you. It's a unified language. It makes, uh, makes everything a little bit better, especially during these COVID
1: times. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, even before COVID, I was thinking, um, well, you know, someone first uh, shared this guy, Komitas, and music, and I thought it sounded just great, but I didn't really think about it too much. And then a couple of months later, I saw a Central Asian-inspired concert, and this Armenian opera singer came up, and she sang this one-and-a-half-minute song of Komitas, and I sat in the background going, what is this? It just started talking to me in a way that Bach and Beethoven and Chopin talked to me. One thing led to another, and then it just, well, it's just given me so much joy, and that joy is what I want to convey to um, to anyone that, that comes in contact with this music.
2: Let's talk about Passion of Fire. Let's talk about the project. Give me kind of a background and kind of how everything is led up to the release, which was march 10th 2022
1: right so to make a long story short um, this project started three years ago it was by accident Uh, i was at a dinner in queens this uh, group of russian-speaking and armenian-based people just said you know you play jazzical so well i bet you this would sound really great with komitas." and i said well who's komitas?" and so they went and explained As I said, a couple of months later, I heard this opera singer. And then about four months after that, I was sitting at home and I wasn't producing any records at that time. And I said, I'm going to go and listen on YouTube to Komitas and Armenian folk music. And that pretty much cemented everything because I thought this is a world that I just never experienced before. And I thought I was a learned musician only to find out that I was just very ignorant. I should have known, but maybe I was supposed to um, discover this music. Now, I started setting um, this music to classical, to jazz, to improvisation, solo, orchestral. The first iterations of this even had uh, choral um, ideas behind it. And uh, the project just kind of took off. I wasn't really expecting anything in the very beginning. And then a woman in New York uh, contacted me and said, so what do you want to do with this? And I said, well, I think this music is worthy of a Grammy. I think it's worthy of large-scale touring, And so money was raised, and we were able to complete this uh, the way it is on the recording. And the response to it is, uh, well, it's it's the same response that I had. People just like the music, and uh, the goal of this project is not just for Armenian audiences. It's for people like me, who would never have heard this unless it was introduced to them. So I, I feel the responsibility of bringing this music to the larger electorate of people, uh, not just in the Grammys, but just all around the world, uh, to share hope, peace and love and the joy of music in a way that you, know, emulates a live performance. And that brings me to uh, March uh, 10.
2: So you've been at this music game for a long time. You've been on a long journey. Talk to me a little bit about your beginnings and how music became your life.
1: Oh, I think music has always been my life. Uh, My parents were both musicians. My father was a band director as well as a Baptist minister. He played 36 instruments. Uh, My mother plays trumpet and several other brass instruments, piano and organ. So music pretty much was a part of everything that i do it started off in classical and for many years it remained in classical except for the fact that i needed more more music at that time my father was the band director for the university of maryland eastern shore so when i wasn't in school i was at the university in the marching band stage band jazz band percussion ensemble I wrote and arranged for all these groups, the uh, stage band, Soul Explosion, marching bands. And then when I wasn't doing that, I was going into New York, because my uncle was vice president of Polygram Records. And so just on a whim, I said, I would like to know what it is like to create music. And so for many weekends, I would go up to, to New York and record with all kinds of groups that were on the Mercury label and Polygram. And and then when I wasn't doing all that, I was playing for musical theater shows. And when I wasn't doing that, you know, it just goes on and on and on. But basically in my teenage years, it was music, 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 and life. You know, I could just never get enough of this. All those things contributed to eventually... A Crisis of Faith, where I was 29 years old, and I said, well, maybe I've done everything I'm supposed to do, and maybe if I don't have something that makes me um, want to wake up and create more, maybe I should get off music. And about that time, Jazzical was born in a church in Port Chester, New York. And then I came up with the word Jazzical, and went and trademarked this at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Offices. Then after I did that, I realized, well, I have to do something with this. I have to create the body of work. And so thus started the real journey of taking classical and really remaking it without destroying the song. That's a hallmark of what jazzical is. It is the merits of classical and jazz, but now it's more than that. It's music. And that's the way it always should have been. But, you know, you have to call it something. Jazzical was that vehicle for doing that.
2: Well, and those two worlds lead to each other so well. I mean, anytime you really listen to anybody explain kind of their evolution into jazz or how they did, especially in the European world you know it always starts with classical, even in the asian world mm-hmm. i mean you know it's just that's kind of the marriage so i'm curious for for the especially in the standpoint of being a jazz radio show what jazz musicians have always held a deep sway over the way that you make music and that you are inspired by the world of jazz to do what you do with jazzical
1: well i'm a very big fan of uh Oscar Peterson and Art Tatum and Thelonious Monk, and Bill Evans. Then there's lots of singers, and I think I model myself as a singer first, and then becomes the pianist. Um, so there's um, Blossom Deary, who I love to death, Ella Fitzgerald, Sarah Vaughan, Carmen McRae, all these people, and many, many more, um, have had indelible imprints. Because they're all song-oriented people. And no matter what they do, the song is always first and center. It is never the other way around. And from another standpoint, a guy who uses a lot of jazz and classical and Middle Eastern and who knows what else, is Stevie Wonder. Uh, Not only as a singer, but also as a writer. He has also had a great... Uh, impact on my playing because he's also a really amazing jazz pianist and it's too bad that he doesn't do more of this in public because he can really play uh, i'm influenced by all kinds of music uh... especially in jazz because i think in jazz people are just more accepting of the different styles of music and they incorporate that it's sort of like musical theater too You know, you find an audience in classical and jazz, hip-hop, R&B, country, world music, uh, you name it. I I think all great artists have this ability to transcend the genre that they work in because they just use music. And it's not really a jazz or classical thing. It's about um, an adherence to the melody and reinterpreting and pretty much making it their own without destroying that song. Uh, Does that make sense?
2: Absolutely, it makes sense. And you've been very
1: well-traveled, well-journeyed. You've
2: written hundreds of compositions. And I'm curious, over this time of COVID and things slowing down and things not materializing in a live environment, how did you do... As an addendum to that, how do you feel now that the world's waking up and things are going to start getting live again?
1: Well, once again, my story is very unusual. In the midst of Das komitas, we had deals in place to record with the Armenian State Symphony Orchestra, and then COVID came and shut all that down. But also, COVID came to my house I was impacted by this in a very terrible kind of way. And it took me five months to recover from what COVID was trying to do to me. And I was lucky. Um, I came out of this with my life. But while I was recovering in bed, because I literally couldn't move, I had my computer and I had a keyboard. And I couldn't move. I said, but I can move my hands. And so I continued to write and create uh, not only just jazz cocomitas, but so other works. What happened when I came back to music was that there was no music out there in the world. And I figured, well, I still have to continue doing what I'm doing, but I really felt bad for everyone else uh, because we were all being impacted by a complete death of our industry. And I knew it would take a year or two, if we were lucky, to get back into a groove and hopefully things would normalize itself. I was lucky, and I, and I really have to say that, I was lucky that I was given my life uh, because it really it gave me a, an, another sense of the joy of playing because I was able to live through it in order to create more. And I think everyone else that was going on, you know, who had to deal with the effects and the ravaging of COVID, I think everybody had to either evolve or die. So I think overall, as terrible as the pandemic was, I think it makes people appreciate what the arts are all about. And I think if you're an artist, you will never ever take it for granted ever again, you know, that it will always be there. That's just what I think.
2: I agree. I think that there's going to be a level of this. This has gone on so long and been so deep that I don't think, I think it's almost inescapable that we feel that way. Mm -hmm. Every day you wake up, you have the opportunity to create your, your, you know, your, your world is music. What do you like the best about what you do for a living, your profession as a composer and a musician?
1: Uh there's nothing like it. I mean, you've actually said it for me. Just the fact that I can wake up every day and go to my piano and wake up my girls playing music. Every time I can open up the digital lab, which is my which is my whole computer station and I'm able to just create and it's like a real gift. I mean, I, I can't even explain it, but it is it's a gift that keeps on giving. And as long as you never take it for granted, it will always continue to multiply. It's kind of like what my parents taught me when I was young. They said, always be grateful because you never know if something should change. In my case, COVID was one of those things. And I think every artist goes through this process at some point in their life where they have to reevaluate. The joy of music is not one of those things for me. Um, It is always something that I keep close to my heart because I can never ever imagine what it would be like not to have music in my life. I think what I do is very special because it's intrinsically very happy. Even if it's depressing, or very sad music, I still find uh, hope, which is really the quintessential agent of change, positive change. If one loses hope, then it's reflective in the music. You know, the new music becomes very stagnant. I don't want that. I mean, it, it feels great to do this every day, every moment, whenever I want to.
2: So everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fans, but ultimately you live your life. You have a perception of yourself. Who do you think you are?
1: I think I'm a very happy, complete person. And I don't mean that in, in an egotistical way because I have worked hard to find this place in my life. And, and to be completely on it, it is not what I thought it would be. I thought that, you know, I would have been, quote-unquote, famous 20 years ago. And I never realized that, you know, I, I was very successful even 40 years ago and that there's nothing to to fear except for, you know, the end of life, which I'm not going to worry about that. I, I have no control over that. What I have control over is... My life and how I respond to the world, and using all of my experiences to bring music to a much larger audience. It's no good if I hoard this music just for myself. Like, you don't get anything from that unless you share it, and you have to share that in an open and transparent way, which means, you know, the more you get to know yourself the easier it gets to share them Um, because you are comfortable with who you are. That doesn't mean that I'm a perfectly formed person. I'm not that at all. I have my problems just like everybody else. But it it is how you dress it. It's how you do the work so that as you uncover the layers of yourself that you can strip them away. And if you can reach that point where enough has been stripped away, then you can see the beauty that exists not only within yourself but in others, and then it just keeps on recycling and 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 remaking itself over it. it's always been like this, and it will always continue to be like this. Joel, I love that answer. Thank you for taking
2: time out today. I really appreciate it. Good luck with the new project and the return to the live stage. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you. Well, I hope to get to Kansas Uh, again. The last time I was there was with uh, Kathleen Battle uh, in college. Okay. That was maybe like four or five years ago, and it was such an amazing experience. Um, I would certainly welcome the opportunity to come back to Kansas City and bring Jessica Cometos to you and your audience. We would absolutely love it.
0: Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview. Where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Armenia, New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Joel for his passion, time, and music. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com, and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the Neon Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends.
2: Neon Jazz.